something, somewhere, somehow, somewhere out there, starts right now. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. I'll swallow your soul! Come get some. GGR, the Great Geek Refuge and FXBG Public Radio. Proudly present. Somewhere out there. A podcast about the unexplained, the supernatural and beyond. The Force will be with you. Always. Do it! Just do it! We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. And now your hosts, Mike on the mic and EK the DJ. So something we were talking about right before the cold open, yeah. uh, I was mentioning Andy Barsh and how he had just posted his uh, first page of his webcomic. Yeah. Um, the name of the comic is uh, Important Sandwich. Yeah. Uh, which is freaking great. Uh, and you can find it on Art of Andy Barsh, B-A-R-T-S-C-H, on Facebook. Art of Andy Barsh. So Andy, we, him and I bounced around the ideas of what... A, a show called Important Sandwich would be about, or a, oh, no, no, a sandwich, sandwich, sandwich. Yes. S-A-M-M-I-C-H. It's very important. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Haha, jokes. See, it's clever. Jokes, I get them. Um, <laughs> so Andy and I bounced around the ideas of what Important Sandwich would be about, and I came up with a very fanciful idea of the incoming president just not having a very good time adjusting to life in D.C. and the fancy culture of food and things like that. He was just not happy with what was there, right? Sure. And he ends up late at night. He sneaks away from his uh, um, Secret Service detail because he's just trying to get a bite to eat. He's hungry, right? And he sneaks into his sandwich shop, just this run in the like hole in the wall, like rundown dive place, right? And he sneaks in and he asks for the guy for a sandwich, right? And the guy makes him a sandwich, just like throws it together. Let's say it's a chicken farm sandwich, right? And he absolutely falls in love with it. He's like, "Oh, this is the greatest sandwich I've ever had in my life," right? So he says to him. After the guy makes the sandwich, the guy we got to build a wall so nobody else can get at these sandwiches. Yes, that's exactly what he said. Yeah, huge, huge, huge huge, sandwiches. Huge sandwiches. Um, He ends up saying to him, he was just like, "Man, this is the best sandwich I've ever had." The guy says to him, "Well, you know, maybe you should hire me and I'll come make sandwiches for you all the time because you know you look like the president. You must be the president." Ha ha ha. He goes, "Maybe I will." And then he just like blows it off. The next day, a bunch of Secret Service agents show up at the dude's apartment and wake him up, and they're like, uh, "The president wants to meet you." And he's like, "I thought this was no, that dude was just a lookalike." And he was like, "No, that was actually the president." So like, the president wants a pastrami on rye. Yeah, basically, and he has to make like top secret sandwiches. So they are therefore the most important sandwiches. I like it. Top secret yeah. sandwich is yeah. also a good, uh, also a good title that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. See, top Andy, secret sandwich. Andy didn't like it. Andy was just like, "I'm gonna do something else because I'm artistic." <laughs> I like important sandwich too. Yeah. Important it sandwich. Is. It is. Yeah. No, and Andy's got artistic integrity, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. You know, he, he's one of those real artists that he can is. draw pictures and stuff. He can. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. No, neither can I. So I think Andy Barsh can do whatever the hell he wants, honestly. So, except for write articles for GGR because he needs to do that. He hasn't done that in a no, while. No, draw pictures for GGR. It doesn't work like that. Why not? Because he could. Yeah, you're damn right he could. And he could host the webcomic on GGR, which I've told him. Andy, you're hired. Yeah, I already <laughs> hired him. I've actually, he's he's one of the few GGR people that's actually gotten paid for his work. As artists should 
damn it. Yeah, right. He said, wow. I don't know why he's saying wow. He might just be saying wow because I'm making fun of him. But, like, hopefully not. I love Andy. I didn't think you were making fun. I, th- I thought we were promoting him. We are promoting him. Andy Barsh. Andy Barsh. Important sandwich. Art of Andy Barsh. Important sandwich. B-A-R-T-S-C-H. He's got, like nine, he's got, like, nine comic books he's working on, man. He is... He, See, there, that's why you should go check it out because there's a backlog yeah. and there's no shortage of comic books. Yeah, he's the important sandwich, is what it is. Mm. That's there. There it is. You know who choked on an important sandwich? Mama Cass. Mama Cass. Yeah. I don't think she was 27 though. No, Mama Cass. Um, for those of you not in the know who are not old music heads like Eric and I are, uh, Mama Cass was one of the mamas and the papas. Uh, Cass Elliot was her name, and uh, if you ever watch Scooby Doo. Uh, she did make a cartoon appearance on Scooby-Doo. Uh, but Cass Elliot, let's take a look at Miss Cass Elliot and see when she wa- how old she was when she died. Uh, Cass Elliot was 33 when she died. Uh, it says that her cause of her death was heart failure. I always remember hearing that she died. She, she choked, choked on, on a sandwich. She right. choked on a ham bone is what I remember. But I'm going to read it right now. Let's read about her death. Oh, but she was a big girl. She had for the, a drug for those, problem. Did we, we already talk about the topic of our show after the um, intro? We haven't. So, so the context of this show is going to be uh, uh, twofold. Uh, we're talking about uh, mysterious deaths, coincidental deaths, if you will. And we're going to go into a little bit deeper detail yeah. uh, into a couple of them. And we're going to spend a little time talking about the 27 Club, um, which uh, started with Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison, who all died at the age of 27 between the years 1969 and 1971. Uh, at the time, it was no big deal. But around 94, the, the, I'm sorry, around the 94 death of Kurt Cobain, also at age 27, the idea of the 27 Club started to uh, uh, appear. So that's, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, so listen to this, right? So kind of side off of our original topic, which we will get back into. I was just reading about Cass Elliot. It says, on April 22nd, 1974, Elliot collapsed in the Burbank, California television studio of The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson immediately before her scheduled appearance on the show. She was treated at a hospital and released, then dismissed the incident in interviews, including one on an American television talk show, The Mike Douglas Show, as simple exhaustion. Her appearance on uh, that episode of The Mike Douglas Show turned out to be her last for television. In July of 1974, Elliot performed two weeks of concerts as a solo performer at the London Palladium. Many claim that all of these shows were sold out, but she was often playing to a less than full house after the earliest dates. She made an international call to Michelle Phillips after the final concert on July 28th. Phillips said later that Elliot sounded elated that she had received standing ovations each night. She may have retired for the evening immediately after the telephone con- uh, conversation, but Debbie Reynolds claims in her 2013 book, Unsinkable, a memoir, that she and her children, Carrie Fisher and Todd Fisher, saw Elliot at a party that night at the London home of Mick Jagger. Reynolds noticed that when Elliot left the party, she said she was heading to where she was staying. She was not accompanied by any, anyone. That night, Elliot, age 32, died in her sleep at the London flat that, where she was staying. Damn. So that sandwich thing is a complete rumor. But yeah. Acor- but, co- but according to Austin Powers, that's how it went down. She choked on a sandwich. Right? I don't why, – why is – how did that become the, the – age of Yeah, and oft, an oft-repeated urban legend is that Elliot choked to death on a ham sandwich. The story spread soon after the discovery of her body and was based on speculation in the initial media coverage. A 2014 article in Harrods. Fake uh, news. Fake news. She died of myocardial infarction, not of a sandwich. Got to build a wall around the news. We're going to build a wall around Cass Elliot. Make sure no fake news <laughs> gets in. Um, so what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the 27 Club and, and kind of jump off down the rabbit trails where we uh, rabbit holes where we need to? I yeah, I, I think that's a good one. Let's let's start from the let's start from the top. So All right, well let's start um the twenty seven club. 
Let's start with Charles Cross. Uh, Charles Cross was the biographer of uh, Hendrix and Cobain, um, or one of the biographers, I guess, is probably more a better way of describing him. Um, the growing importance of internet, TV, yeah. magazines, and all these different places where you can get, um, and uh, and also a response to an interview of Cobain's mother were pretty much responsible for the theories around uh, 27 Club. Um, one of the things uh, that his mother said, um, Wendy, Wendy Fredenberg Cobain O'Connor, wow. That's that's a mouthful. That's his she, mother's name. She got married a bunch of times. Yeah, apparently. Frattenberg, Cobain, O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, now he's gone and joined that stupid club. I told him not to join that stupid club. And she referred to Hendrix, Joplin, and Morrison dying at the same age, according to Cross. Um, Cross being the author. Um, and a lot of other authors share that view. Uh, Eric Siegelstad, uh, writer of the 27s, The Greatest Myth of Rock and Roll, uh, assumed that Cobain's mother referred to the death of his two uncles and his great uncle. Um, all of whom had committed suicide, um, to assume that she was talking about the 27 Club when it really wasn't a thing. Like, it, that, like this is the urban legend. It all came from this misinterpreted quote of Kurt Cobain's mother. Yeah. Um, so, 2011, 17 years after Cobain's death, Amy Winehouse died at the age of 27. Um, they tried to make her go to rehab, but she, she said, said no, 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 no. no. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, because she was 27 when she died, uh, there was a lot of uh, media attention devoted to the club. Again, um, three years earlier, she'd expressed a fear of dying at that age. Wow. I'd like, okay, let's let's veer off track for a second. Uh, these are all musicians, too. We're going to go off yeah. into another. Yeah. We're going um, to. I want to I veer yeah. off because I want to talk about Kurt for a second. You and I were talking before we started that the death of Kurt Cobain was one of the first events. Because people who grew up in the 60s remember where they were when Kennedy died, when Kennedy was shot, when it was announced that he, he had been killed by Lee Harvey Oswald, which another episode we'll talk about all that too. Sure. But like, I remember specifically where I was. I was at school when they announced it. And... A friend of mine had told me, and I, I, I want to say I was in sixth sixth grade, maybe, maybe seventh grade, but I, I don't remember the exact year that I was in. I just remember I was in middle school, and I remember somebody telling me that and being crushed because it was it was just something that, like, he was, like, the iconic voice. like And, and whether – and, you know, I've heard so many people that have their, their hot takes, you know? About Kurt Cobain. Well, they weren't even that good. Nirvana wasn't even that good of a band, and they were just they were just overly hyped and like blah blah this and blah blah. It doesn't matter, okay? Because the bottom line is. Hold on, is, hold on. I got you right here. Ready? Okay. And I was like, baby, 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 baby. Ooh. You want to talk about something that's not really good at all yet has you know been viewed yeah. as an icon? Yeah. Bieber. How how does Kurt Cobain not uh, deserve the same kind of? Okay, so he wasn't a talented musician. He couldn't really play the guitar that well. He wasn't really a great singer. No, but that's not why people listened. Yeah, it was the words. It was the attitude. It was the carry. It was more than about. It was it was about more than about the music. It was about the passion. It was about yeah what was behind the music. Yeah, and I think that that's what a lot of people were missing and. 
Cobain wasn't ready for the burden of being the spokesperson of a, an entire generation, of an entire new scene of music, because this this was essentially the the last shot. This was the the fatal blow, the fatality, if you will, if we're using a Mortal Kombat parlance, that finished off hair metal. Because before that, it was Bon Jovi. You know, Would you it, have thought of Nirvana as hair metal, though? No, I'm saying they their music was what finished off hair metal. Was oh, what right. knocked when, them out. When grunge came, hair, yeah. metal, hair metal died. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he just wanted to make music, like any any good musician does. He just wants to make music, and like to kind of go back to Beaver for a second. I don't think Cobain and Beaver are on the same plane. Oh, neither do but, I. But I'm just saying, like, you've, yeah. if you're going to attack somebody's talent, that Beaver's yeah. not exactly writing the most amazing songs. No. The kid can sing, and he's, he's actually got, a really but, talented musician too. But, but as far as like to his credit, li- but as far as lyrical content, yeah. Well, if you like the way that you look so much, you should go and fuck yourself or whatever. I don't know. You go and love yourself, whatever that song. Yeah. Is. Like it's not the most amazing, like ground shaking lyrics. It's catchy, but it's catchy, and, and yeah. he's got a good voice. I still love the story that when he was in like elementary or middle school, um, and he did those YouTube videos and he became famous. That he went to school and told all of his friends, he's like, "Oh, guys, Usher signed me, and I'm gonna be making music with Usher, and I'm gonna be real famous." And all of his friends were like. Get out of here! You're a loser. No, he didn't. And then, like a few yeah. days later, it actually happened. Like that's funny as shit. Just like anything that like kids would do, like because we would all do that, you know. Like if one of our friends was like, "Yeah, my uncle is a is a baseball player. He plays for uh, plays for the Yankees." Okay, sure he Whatever. does. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, with Cobain, like I, I I distinctly remember that that happening when I was a kid. But just taking it as it was and accepting it for what it was. He killed himself, and that was it. And it wasn't until years later that I found out and started under understanding why, for instance, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters had such a problem with Courtney Love. Like they had a they they never saw eye to eye. They never agreed. Like they they kind of traded in. They like put their barbs aside for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction of Nirvana. But I got a feeling that there's still a lot of animosity there because I think Dave is convinced that there's something. That Courtney had something to do with it. Um, but ultimately, to, though, what what was di- not damning? Damning's the wrong word. What really kind of blew it out of the water for me was a documentary that you can find online. It's called Soaked in Bleach, and it's about a private investigator that. Courtney Love hired to find Kurt Cobain. And I'm going to read the description for you here real quick. Uh, Soaked in Bleach is a 2015 American docudrama directed by Benjamin Statler, who co-wrote and produced it with Richard Middleton and Donnie Eicher. The film details the events leading up to the death of Kurt Cobain as seen through the perspective of Tom Grant, the private detective who was hired by Courtney Love to find Cobain shortly before his death in 1994. It also explains, uh, explores the premise that Cobain's death was not a suicide. The film stars uh, Tyler Bryan and Co- as Cobain and Daniel Roebuck as Grant. Um, it really goes into detail. There, there's so much more going on to this than just, oh, well, we don't want the guy who was the spokesperson of our generation to be thought of as somebody who committed suicide. It, there's just a lot of stuff that didn't make sense, that didn't add up. Like, for instance, the way the weapon was fired, the cartridge ejected on the other side, and they found the cartridge on the other side of the body, but the way that the gun was being held, it would have come to the other side, to the left side instead of the right side. And they never were able to test the weapon for fingerprints because Courtney Love had it melted down, 
the suicide note. The suicide note that is so famous that people have it as a T-shirt. They have taken that suicide note and turned it into an image on a, tel- on a T-shirt. That suicide note, you can see two distinctive different types of handwriting. handwriting right. Yeah, the beginning part, which tends to be what Kurt Cobain's handwriting looked like, and then the end part that was basically like, well, I'm going to kill myself now. Okay, thanks, bye. And it's a different tone. It's a different everything. There, there's just a lot of other evidence, like the the things that Kirk, uh, that Courtney said, like she had taken a life insurance out on Kirk. Uh, there was just so much that didn't add up with it. And the Seattle police, like even the guy who was, it, it, yeah, and Andy makes a really good point in our chat room. He says it's reminiscent of the death of George Reeves, the guy who played Superman, uh, the first one of the first Supermen. Um, but yeah, you're very, you're absolutely right, Andy. It's, it, it didn't add up. And Courtney, it was too convenient for what was going on with Courtney. Courtney basically said in multiple occasions um, that he was worth more a lot dead than he was alive. And the reason she found the, she wanted the private investigators because she wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to do something stupid. He was trying to divorce her. He wasn't happy with their marriage at all. He was trying to divorce Courtney, and she was trying to find him to make sure that he didn't leave. So you really want to get into the conspiracy part of it right there. That's where I think some of this lies. Now, again, what's my opinion on this? I don't know. I just want, I want facts. I want more information. And we're never going to get it because it's just not going to happen. We'll never know the truth. Because Courtney Love is going to go to her grave and, and just insist that he killed himself, even if he didn't. But we'll never actually know what happened. And that's the other thing, too, is, is maybe he overdosed on heroin. And maybe she was so mad that he had done that that she blew his brains out mm. and then tried to make it like, look like an accident. And maybe he didn't even overdose. I mean, this is a habitual heroin user. But that was the other thing, too, is like a lot of people talked about um, a lot of people talked about his stomach ailments. So he had this condition. Uh, his stomach just constantly, constantly bothered him. I mean, just intense pain. And they could never figure it out, right? And a lot of people said that that's why he turned to heroin, but that's also why he killed himself. Well, okay, let me put the bullshit on that real quick. Because he had actually, in an interview, a French interview, said, the guy asked him, oh, how is your, you know, how is your stomach doing? And he was like, oh, it's so much better. I went to this doctor when I was in France, and the doctor helped me out a lot, and I'm not having the same problems that I did anymore. So that whole concept or reason behind it, that's complete bullshit. Hmm. So it just, it's, it's just really convenient, and I really find it messed up. And it's kind of insulting and a slap in the face that Courtney Love has become a celebrity off of the death of her husband. And she makes documentaries about his life. There's one called Montage of Heck that her and her daughter, uh, Frances Bean Cobain, created. And by the way, Frances Bean Cobain looks exactly like her father. And she's a talented musician as well. But like they talk about how she doesn't understand how there's this cult of Kurt, is what she calls it. This cult behind Kurt and people who, uh, who obsess and worship him. Because you took him away from them. That's why. Because you were involved, whether, whether she killed him or whether she had somebody kill him, there was something going on. Because there's also evidence that she ended up being involved with another dude who was living at their house, too. So the whole thing is just, it, it's, it's a mess. It, it, it's, there, there was too much other stuff going on for the Seattle Poli- uh, Police Department to just basically say, nope, suicide, and end it right there. They ended the investigation and never went back to it. And the guy who was the chief of police actually said, after he retired, we really should have reopened that case. So it just, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's disappointing. And it's, it's upsetting that we'll never know the truth. And I think that's what bothers me the most. And I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but I have a tattoo on my back. I have a tattoo and it says Veritas. 
which is Latin for truth, if you didn't know. Um, because truth is one of the most important things to me. And the reason I have it on my back is because it's something that you sometimes have to search for, and it's not always going to be easily seen. It's not always going to be easily found. So sometimes you'll only be able to see it in the mirror when you're looking at yourself, and it's going to be backwards. So the truth may not be easily deciphered either. But truth has always been important to me. And it, it just sucks to think that we'll never, ever know. We'll never really know what actually happened. I want to read something before we uh, shift. Yeah, okay. So there was this event um, that happened on an overcast Sunday afternoon. Um, or maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it happened something else. Um, before about 7,000 grieving fans, a minister intoned, poet recited, a trio of local DJs reminisced, a crisis counselor pitched, and a DJ read a bittersweet letter from Kurt's uncle, Larry Smith, Don's second wife's brother, about his memories of Kurt as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, but the most powerful messages were from two people who weren't there in their taped speeches, Chris and Courtney. Uh, sent two very different messages. Chris made a brief but wonderful statement about the regalitarian punk rock ethos that yeah. Kurt stood for. The Chris you speak of is uh, Chris Novoselic. He was the bassist of Nirvana, right. for those who don't know. And he says, On behalf of Dave, Pat, and I, I would like to thank you all for your concern at this time. We remember Kurt for what he was, caring, generous, and sweet. Let's keep the music with us. We'll always have it, forever. Kurt had an ethic towards his fans that was rooted in the punk rock way of thinking. No band is special. No player royalty. If you've got a guitar and a lot of soul, just bang something out and mean it. You're the superstar. Plugged into tones and rhythms that are uniquely and universally human. Music. Heck, use your guitar as a drum. Just catch a groove and let it flow out of your heart. That's the level of, that Kurt spoke to us on. In our hearts. And that's where he and the music will always be. Forever. However... Courtney's typically rambling message was a loving tirade, full of affection and anger, resentment, and pity that everyone felt. It reduced much of the crowd to tears, leaving virtually the entire 7,000-person assembly shuddering with emotion. Courtney being Courtney, she couldn't help interjecting her own rejoinders. While they occasionally seemed overly bitter and even questionable taste, uh, like any good artist, Courtney was only being honest. Uh, she reflected the deepest feelings of everybody there. It was a sort of dialogue. So you can read this at the very end in the extra final chapter in yeah. the Come As You Are biography by Michael Azerod, a friend of Kurt Cobain's, yeah. Yeah. Um, who, who became a journalist. And towards the end of Kurt's life, his revelations as a journalist ended their friendship. Um, but there is – I just want to read the beginning of the Courtney statement because it's yeah. fucking just – he's nice because he was their friend. Pause this real quick. I want you to put this in context though, Okay. Kurt Cobain, of the two of them, was not the only heroin addict. Oh, right. Let me state right. that real quick, okay? It's not like Kurt was the heroin addict and Courtney was the doting wife wringing her hands as he was out partying with all of his punk rock friends, okay? Let's get that real fucking clear right now, okay? She was just as big a junkie as he was. I don't really know what to say. I feel the same way you guys do. But if you guys don't think that when I used to sit in the room when he played guitar and sing and feel so honored to be near him, you're crazy. Anyway, he left a note. It's like a letter to the fucking editor. I don't know what happened. I mean, it was going to happen, but it could have happened when he was 40. He always said he was going to outlive everybody and live to be 120. 
I'm not going to read you all the entire note because it's none of the rest of your effing business. But some of it is to you. I don't think that it takes away from his dignity to read this, considering that it's addressed to most of you. He's such an a-hole. I want you to all say a-hole really loud. And the crowd does. And she goes on, and then she reads the, the message, and it continues to go on. But like I said, it's, it's worth a read. I'll let you borrow this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's just it's frustrating that – and she's the ultimate narcissist, too. That's really what it comes down to. Um, she was just so focused on herself, me, 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 the entire time, even when she's reading that. You know, Kirk did this to me. Kirk did this to me. And she just – she never really got it. And that, that's what was frustrating to me was that she never really understood what was going on. And I think that that was part of the reason that she was so – honestly, I think that's part of the reason why she ended up having him killed was because he was the focus. And it, it just – it really it really irks me, especially, too, like after he's dead, to basically have this pity party for yourself for your husband. You know, it, it wasn't about him which it should have been, and it was about her. And ultimately, you, you saw Chris Novoselic said it point blank, that it was about the music. It was about something that was going to live on past them. And Courtney, Courtney wasn't having any of that, man. And to think, I mean, it, it's kind of vulgar to think that she essentially made a name for herself off of his death. And Family Guy made a joke about it at one point. Like, what if Kurt Cobain ha hadn't quit? And it showed him, like, hey, Kurt, this is your, like, 19th uh, platinum album. Uh, oh, this is my wife, Courtney. And everybody was like, who? She wouldn't be who she is now. She wouldn't have been in movies. She wouldn't have been an actress had it not been for that. And I just wonder if it was all worth it. Is it all worth it in her, in her mind to get what she got from all of that? It, it just, it's... It, it reminds, and the way that she kind of ranted and rambled there too, it just, it sounds like anybody that you've ever known who's had substance abuse problems, just none of it making any sense, none of it stringing together. And I think what was, wor uh, what really frustrated me about it too was, is I remember in uh, the days following his, uh, his death, I remember Andy Rooney, for instance, Andy Rooney from 60 Minutes fame, uh, made this big deal about, oh, well, he committed suicide, so nobody should feel sorry for him, and nobody should, should ever have any pity for him, or nobody should be sad that he's gone because he did the most selfish thing ever. And I understand that that is a selfish act to do, but we don't even know if he actually committed suicide. And even if he did, the fact that there are people that are hurting out there so badly that that's all they can turn to is, is tragic in the end. Now, I ranted there for a second here. Um, I want to talk about some of the other people that are in the 27 Club, too, as well. Uh, Jim Morrison is in the 27 Club as well. Now, Jim Morrison was... What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to play a song of his here while, uh, while EK, the DJ, kind of gets uh, gets things prepared here. Apologies. Oh, I've, no, got you're I've got a little one that has, has started climbing out of bed. You're fine, man. Um, I was actually transitioning to, uh, to Jim Morrison, and I was going to play this song real quick. Touch Me by the Doors. Because... He was long, long gone before I was even born. But I want you to listen to the intro of this song and the voice that comes singing through here because it blew me away when I was a kid. It's 
This is easily like my favorite Doors song of all time. It's just an incredible song. He's got an incredible voice. And if you've ever seen the, um, yeah, if you've ever seen the movie The Doors with Val Kilmer as, so good. oh my God, it's so good. But when he's just like doped out of his mind and he's the Lizard King and like, oh God, it, I'm the Lizard King, like just spread eagle like on the stage, like, oh, Jess, this is just wonderful. <laughs> Well done. Yeah, it really was. It's an excellent movie. If you guys have never seen it, I, th- I want to say it won an Academy Award, didn't it? Didn't didn't Val Kilmer win an Academy Award for that? He may have. I don't remember. Let's check the Googles. So something that should be pointed out. Yeah, go ahead, point it out. About a lot of these people that died at 27 is they all kind of lived risky lives. Um. Uh, Amy Winehouse was obviously. She never went to rehab. She had drug drinking problems. Um, there's a story about a hotel that Amy Winehouse stayed at. Yeah. Uh, that had to like condemn a wing of the hotel because of how foul that she left the room. I wish I knew more details about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty hilarious uh, story. And uh, she left it so foul. Yeah. <laughs> I just what did she do to that room? Like, okay, so I have to find Let me find. Hold on. I'm going to I'm just going to find the article yeah. cuz it's hilarious. Yeah. Um my buddy John made a really good a uh, really funny point. He said uh he said all of a sudden I remember that line from Wayne's World 2 when Rip Taylor is talking to Jim Morrison. He's like, "You're a crooner working in that rock milieu, which I love." Like I I remember that scene too. Like I I love the Wayne World the Wayne's World movies in general and like the fact that Jim Morrison was Wayne's spirit guide to figure out to put on a rock concert called Wayne Stock. I mean, you can't, I, uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. Nice. 2007, 23-year-old Amy Winehouse, this four years before she died, got into a serious quarrel at the London Sanderson Hotel with her husband, Blake. Screaming and other loud noises were heard from the hotel room, prompting other guests to call security. The couple was found bruised and battered and were charged 18 thousand dollars in damages which included hiring a specialist to clean blood off the walls oh that's good but like what what were they doing what were they doing they had to clean blood off the walls and they were both beaten and battered yeesh wow yeah she didn't mess around man so yeah like when you when you party that hard and, and beat the crap out of your significant other and you leave hotel rooms bloodied with $18,000 worth of damage. Yeah, you're walking a thin line and you might not make it past 27. Hang on a second, though. I have a question for Amy. Amy, um, when they went to the hotel room, did they have to clean blood off the walls? Well, that's just, they, that's they just a lie. Yeah, and we they didn't, did. We didn't we... ask you if they tried to make you go to rehab. We asked you if you were responsible for the blood on the walls and if you had anything to say about it. All right, well, then if you're not going to come clean, then uh, then we're just going to go ahead and give you this $18,000 bill. Um, apparently, one of Courtney Love's uh, bandmates died in the exact same year as Kurt. What? Yeah. One of the Holians? One of the Holians. What would you call one, him? One a member of... A, a piece of the whole! <laughs> Womp, womp. It's a play. It's a clever play on <laughs> words. All right, that wasn't bad. I like it. A piece of the whole. I can dig it. Okay. A Michelle. Uh, Michelle. 
P F A F F. I don't know how to pronounce it. Faff. The P is silent. Hey, um, why can you never hear uh, a pterodactyl go into the bathroom? Why? Because the P is silent. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's so good. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, Andy said there would be the assholians. Mm, I, yeah. like, I well, like assholians. Dig it. Print it. Sell it. Million copies. Love it. Mm. Um. So, Jim, so this this yeah. isn't this isn't limited to musicians though. As I no, said it's before. not. No, um, and if I remember correctly, Jonathan Brandis committed suicide in two thousand three. So he, I don't I don't know. He if did. He, you know, he the guy like, from Sequest. You didn't know that. He was in Sidekicks with Chuck Norris. He's dead. Jonathan, yeah, he killed himself. Wow, he did. Yeah, Damn, dude. I didn't know that. He was in a bunch. He was never in. A, he was. He was Bastion in the Never Ending Story too. He was. What? He was the. You know him for fucking Sequest, but you don't know he was Bastion. No, I don't. He was in Ghost Dad. Sequest was a terrible show. He was in Ladybugs. He was in Ladybugs. <laughs> he was... <laughs> Jesus, that's what he should be remembered for. Damn it! Hey, let's have some respect for the Ladybugs actor. First of all, Rodney Dangerfield was in Ladybugs too. Yeah, and it was. If you haven't seen Ladybugs, go watch Ladybugs. It's been a couple of years, but the, Jesus, you just reminded me how like goes, how cheesy and hilarious. It just goes off that old trope of you know what's funny, guys in women's clothing. Like it's just like it's. I mean, it's not even that. That's the funny part of it. It's no, just it's the not. ridiculous antics. It's not just that he's dressed in girls' clothing. It's yeah. the antics. It's the cheesiness of it that makes it great. I just okay. So Sequest. When did Sequest come out? Sequest came out in 1993. Okay, that was not a horrible show. Just ten years. And Roy Scheider was in it. Sequest was not a terrible show. How many seasons were there? Um, I think there were three. There were 57 episodes total. Uh, in its final season. Uh, I don't know how many seasons there were. Uh, yeah, three seasons. Three seasons. Yeah. A good show? Like The Office? Like Parks and Recs? They've got quite a few more seasons than three. Oh, Star yeah? Trek? TNG? You ready for this one? I'm going to hit you right in the feels. How many seasons of Firefly have? We're not friends right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not We're not friends You right don't now. talk shit about Sequest, okay? No, you don't talk shit about Firefly. <laughs> they made a movie because of fans. Did they make a Sequest movie? Did they come back and make a Sequest movie to catch? No, they didn't make a Sequest movie. Why? Because Sequest could eat a dick. Uh, Firefly was the shit. The theme song was awesome by Sam Rhodes. Oh, my God. Take my love. Take my land. Take me where I can stand. The Ballad of Jane? Come on. The Marrow of Canton. The man they call Jane. Are you serious? The, t- the pretty nifty hat? Pretty cunning, don't you think? Really? You're going to compare Firefly to that piece of fucking llama turd? Sequest? Yeah. You know? Go ahead. C-Lab 2020? Yes. I'd have given you that <laughs> as a good show. I love that show. I'd have given you that as a good show. <laughs> Don't tell me to calm down, Andy. <laughs> it's like a koala crapped a rainbow inside my brain. <laughs> I do not need a Snickers. I don't even. I really don't even like Sequest that much. I just love seeing you get so mad. I just remember. <laughs> wow. I just Andy with the fucking Chuck Norris joke wins, dude. Yeah. When Chuck Norris was denied an Ed McMuffin at McDonald's because it was 10.35, he roundhouse kicked the store so hard it became a Wendy's. (laughs) 
And now they serve breakfast 24-7, Andy. Well done. And thanks to Chuck. Thanks to Chuck. Um, I just remember this NBC lineup that they had, Sequest DSV, and then they also had a show called Viper, right? And Viper was about... Wait, was that Pamela Anderson? No. No, you're thinking of Barbed Wire. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so Viper was an NBC show about the Dodge Viper, but it was like Knight Rider, except it was a shittier ripoff. So, like, the car could morph, right? So it could turn from, like, the regular coupe-style Viper into the cool convertible Viper. And it had these cool little guns that could pop out. And it used that song, Life is a highway, I'm gonna ride it all night long. Yeah, so that's that was the NBC's lineup, man, as they shitted you to death with Sequest DSV and Viper. Just wanted you to know that in case you didn't know. Oh, VIP. She had a show called VIP. Oh, well. that's what it was, VIP, yeah. Yeah. Well done, Andy. Um, moving forward. Moving right along. Moving off Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> just, 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 just a random I just need a, I need a minute. I need a minute because I'm still really upset about the death of Jonathan Brandis. Okay? In 2003. Dude, I'm still fucking twisted in the head because Dave Coulier banged Alanis Morissette. But did he really, though? D- yes, for real. That happened. Like, it's confirmed. Hang on. Okay. Jagged Little Pill, that album is about Dave Coulier. We don't know for sure. Because there was never, there's never been any confirmation that that was Dave Coulier. I'm just saying, you were, you were, you were running the good name of Dave Coulier. Oh, he's point. Yeah, I know. What it's, they're, it's they're, been confirmed. Oh, oh, what with the episode of of the Shock Monkeys? Because that's that's the bastion of all <laughs> things factual and truthful. Scott the Madman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Devin, Devin is Devin won't even get on the microphone. He's so mad. He's so upset he's right now. He's just in here gesturing, and he's like, "How dare you?" <laughs> Go ahead, Devin. How dare you not be as shocked as us about this? Oh First hell no! And it's Hillary. Thank you. I found confirmation online where Dave Coulier according in an interview. To, yeah, according to Dave Coulier, it he recognized it was about him. Was it really? Yes. Really. There was an interview where he. Hang on, I'm looking right now. I, I want I fact check. Here we go. Here we go. This is Snopes. Snopes.com. I fucking hate you. If this is ruined, Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. Is the Alanis Morissette song you ought to know about actor Dave Coulier status undetermined? Undetermined. So it could fucking be. He says that it, it could is. be, but it's not confirmed. Why? Because that website says it's not confirmed? Well, wait, well oh, because your website confirms it? Well, according to that, in an interview, Dave Coulier said it himself. I'm going to call Dave Coulier right now. Do it. I'm going to call first him. Of all, first of all, cut it out. <laughs> cut it <laughs> You know he's not going to answer. He never does. Son of a bitch. Ranger Joe. No, I, like, I remember being a kid and, I, and hearing that song and somebody was like, dude, you know that's about uh, Uncle Joey? And I was like, what? Dave Coulier? And they were like, yeah, that's about him. I... I'm not saying that it's not hey, possible. Hey, just so you know, yeah. uh, Flea and Dave Navarro played bass guitar and guitar on You Ought to Know. Did I knew you, that. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that. that. I did you know, know who, that. Also, uh, who also, there's another version of that song, too. There's two versions of it. Another one is Taylor Hawkins is on the drums. Taylor Hawkins, now the um, drummer for the Foo Fighters. Okay, so Alanis dated Dave Coulier a few years before the release of Jagged Little Pill. That's confirmed. They broke up, and it was often rumored that You Ought to Know was about Coulier. In 2008, he admitted that the song was about him. But later, in 2014, he retracted his statement and said the song was not about him. Still switching up stories after 19 years? A little yeah. suspicious. Yeah, here we go. Uh, it's also said- been suggested that Bob Saget was eating with 
Coulier when Alanis called him and bugged him in the middle of dinner. <laughs> no weather, no word on whether or not Bob Saget was there when he went down on him with, in a theater. Come on, Alanis. <laughs> Alanis, Alanis, come on. Cut it out. Cut it Morissette did reveal in a 1995 interview that the song was not a mere abstraction, but was indeed about someone specific with whom she had a relationship. I hadn't heard from him, and I don't think he knows, which sort of says a lot about him. The ironic thing is, which is funny, she says ironic, and isn't it ironic? Clever. Don't you think? It's like blowing Dave Coulier in a movie theater. <laughs> um, if anybody, if anybody questions whether it's them that I'm writing about, the, that means something in it, in of itself. People who were kind and honest and full of integrity throughout the process of making this album wouldn't question whether they were in that song because they would know. Dave Coulier is by far the name most frequently attached to this rumor, and if he didn't know about it in 1995, he reportedly did by 1997 when the spokesman for Boston's Comedy Connection, where Coulier was currently working, told the Boston Herald, he admitted the lines are very close to home, especially the one about an older version of me and bugging him in the middle of dinner. He said she used to do that all the time. And he and he and the next girl that he dated was yeah. in her 30s, and Alanis was very young when that album yeah. came out. She was like 21 or 22. But just as Carly Simon has steadfastly refused to identify the subject of You're So Vain for all these years, confirmation of who Morissette was thinking of when she wrote You Ought to Know may forever remain elusive. So, could it be him? It sounds like some of the pieces are him. So and, I'm wondering— and- yeah, he said in 2008 it hits that, close to home, that, and, he, and he was kind of caught off guard. Like he's like, yeah. I think this is about me. Like for him to 14 or 19 years later be like, no, nah, it wasn't about me. Come on, dude. At any rate, let's move on. Yeah, okay. Because wh- which one of them was in the 287 Club? None of them. Thank you for dropping in, Devin. Well, I appreciate his, it. His you can catch Cool-y- Devin on Coulier's uh, career died in Shock Monkeys at 27 Radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Anton Yelchin. Oh, uh, that is such a sad story. Was primarily known as a film actor, but did you know he was in a punk rock band? He was? Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know that. But, like, that story, dude. Like, his his parents ended up making, I mean, it's sad, but they ended up making money off of his death because... Stripperella. Thank but, you, John. Is that another that show? Was another, that was another Pamela Anderson uh, yeah. <laughs> show. I'm really thing. glad that this is where the, the show is going. Family. Instead of instead of focusing Why on are we talking the weird and the and the out there, you know, we're 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 making that intro that that nice British guy did for us. We're making him sound like a liar because we haven't talked about the weird, oh, the unexplained, know, none you know, of it. You know who else played bass on the Al- Lance Morissette album? Who? Chuck Norris, <laughs> Bob Saget. <laughs> were they at that theater too? I don't know. But the, between John and Andy, they have been coming back with all these the, yeah. these. these so so much great comments. They're they're good. They're good listeners. What can I say? They're great. I love them. Um, Anton Yelchin and uh, how about Jean Michel Basquiat? You know, you know who Basquiat is? Uh, I know he was an artist. I know that Basquiat was an artist. He had a little bit of a stint in music, but uh, he was an artist. Uh, he hung out with um the Campbell Soup Can guy, uh, Warhol. Warhol. Um, and he and, and a bunch of other famous artists in that time died of a heroin overdose at twenty seven. Um. But this guy had the most like garbage art. And it's my personal opinion, you know, art is art. But this he he took a stack of tires and painted them white, and that was art to him. Like I like I don't get it, man. It's 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 old tires. But um, he called himself uh, Samo S A M O for same old shit. That was the whole yeah. I could have sworn that River Phoenix was in that crew too, but he died at twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He died. Yeah, he died younger. I don't know why, but yeah. Um, oh, you know why? I now I've put it together. Okay, so I remember being in middle school and in the locker room of the gym. 
there was a poster and it had a picture of Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, um, River Phoenix, and then there was one other person. And Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix are in the Twenty Seven Club, so I just associated River Phoenix with that too. So. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Stanley. That's why I got greenlit. That's why Stripper Eller. Ah, Stanley. Yeah. Now Stanley's still alive God and kicking for now. He's got all sorts of weird things going on with his life right now. Like he's dude. Stanley would be in the twenty seven hundred club. Twenty seven hundred club. There you go. God damn it! I hope so. Hope not. No. Okay. <laughs> can I can I go off on a rant for just like a minute here? Sure. I am very 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 tired of people um, worshiping at the idol of Stanley because he's old. Stanley pretty much stole all of the credit for most of the Marvel characters that were created by Jack Kirby. And everybody's like, Stan Lee's the greatest. Stan, no, Stan Lee is a really good self-promoter. And he really shouldn't get as much credit as he does. Most of that, almost all of that credit for those characters goes to Jack Kirby. I'll give you a story here real quick. You know, who's, you know who uh, Silver Surfer is, right? Yeah. I know who Silver you want to know who's, how Silver Surfer got created? How did Silver Surfer get created? Because Stan Lee probably coked out of his mind in the 70s wrote something for Jack Kirby to draw. And he was like, ah, it's a silver guy on a surfboard in space. Ah, figure that shit out. And Jack Kirby did it because he's a fucking badass. The other person that I'm pissed off. Jack Kirby other... just drew him on there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Andy's on it. Yeah, Andy knows exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. So the other person that, that I, I think gets way too much credit, and, you're gonna, and everyone's going to hate me. Everyone is going to hate me for this one. You ready? Betty White. Go ahead. Don't, listeners, don't worry. I'm going to mute his mic. <laughs> Here's why I have a problem with Betty White. I love her. First of all. She's an American treasure. First of all, how dare you? And second of all, how dare you? Are you ready for this? And third of all, explain yourself. Okay. Betty White is an American treasure. Have you seen her when she was younger? She was gorgeous. She's funny. She's talented. She can dance. She can sing. She's an incredible actress. She's America's lewd grandma. Thanks, John. Yes. America's lewd grandma. The problem with Betty White is that everybody has put her up on this pedestal because she's old. They, they basically wrote her in to host Saturday Night Live, which is fine. But at the same time, too, all of a sudden, an entire new generation of people have worshipped at the altar of Betty White. Without knowing any of her any of her work other than the Golden Girls, and that's what frustrates me. They're like, "Oh wait, wasn't she in that Lake Placid movie where she was old and she cursed a bunch?" Like it's it just it frustrates she was in me. Grandma's that... boy. No, she wasn't in Grandma's boy. You're right, she wasn't in Grandma's boy. Yes. There was another one that she was in where she got high. Not Grandma's boy. It was um. God, Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds. Oh yeah, yeah, the where they get married or whatever. Yeah, but the proposal. Yeah. There you go. I knew she was in a movie where she got high. I don't know why I thought Grandma's Boy. Yep. Oh, you know, you know what she was funny as shit in? Did you ever see that episode of Community when she was the uh, dude? Community is such a great show. What yeah. happened? When she Troy was the, and in the morning. Yeah. yeah. When she was the anthropology teacher, and then she ended up <laughs> rapping Africa with Troy and Abed. Right. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. Troy. I love Betty White Damn it, Troy because I loved the Golden Girls. I used to watch it with my grandmother. It is one of my favorite memories growing up. I just it frustrates the shit out of me that everybody's just like fucking Betty White, man. Okay, what has she been in? Uh, the Golden Girls, and she was on Saturday Night Live. What else has she done? I don't know. She's old. Like it's good for her. I'm glad that she's getting all these accolades later in her career, and that's awesome. But it just frustrates the shit out of me that people don't appreciate all of the things that she's done in her career. She's been working for decades, 
and it just it, I feel like we're not getting. Oh, Andy says, you know, I think he needs to be knocked off their pedestal, Mike Lunsford. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Andy. Probably. Well done. Yeah, but at least I show up for my podcast and tell people when I'm not going to be here. Oh. Yeah, that was a dig. Anyways, um, I want to go back to this because we got a couple minutes here before we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, The 27 Club. I'm looking at the master list. Of the 27 Club? Yeah. Yeah. There were some names on there that I didn't recognize. Um, There's a lot of them on there I didn't recognize. A couple foreign ones, but like they they talk about these four that started it in from '69 to '71. But there was a lot more than four. Who was so, who was uh, Brian Jones? I don't know who Dicky. I don't know who Dicky Pride is. Um, but Brian Stones was uh, one of the founders um, of the Rolling Stones. He was a guitarist and played a couple other instruments. Uh, mystery has always surrounded the death of the guitarist who drowned in the swimming pool at a Cotchford yeah, Farm yeah, country, the, home, yeah, country home on July second, nineteen sixty nine. A month after he was kicked off the Rolling Stones. Right. The coroner's report said death by misadventure. That is an awesome band name. You want to talk about an awesome thing on your fucking death certificate? Death. Death by, by misadventure. misadventure. Oh my Holy god! Shit. Maybe that should be the name of our podcast. Death by misadventure. Death by misadventure. No, that's the episode. That's Dark. the name. That's, That's the, the name title. Of the episode. That's the title. The title the is Death by Misadventure. Club, Death by Misadventure. I like it. Oh, that is awesome. Death by Misadventure. Oh, that is fantastic. That's phenomenal. Um, Alejandra, Alexandra, Alexandra, I don't know. Some German Schlager vocalist. She was 27. <laughs> Doesn't count. Um, Alan, Alan Wilson, uh, um, le- lead singer of uh, and primary composer of Canned Heat. I love that song um, by uh, Bare Naked Ladies, Alan Wilson. Mm. Lying in bed. Just Brian like Wilson. Alan Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, died of asphyxiation. Uh, Janis Joplin, drug overdose. Um, Dyke and the Blazers. I don't know who Dyke and the Blazers is, but... It's our, a, sounds our, like the name of a morning show. Our Lester, our Lester Dyke Christian. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, <coughs> Jimmy, Jim Morrison, Jim Linda Morrison, Jones, Leslie Linda Harvey. Jo- well, no, Linda Jones, Leslie Harvey, they're 72. We're talking about 71 to 69. Oh, you're just looking at that, that, that The that original stretch. push. Okay. But that was, there was more than four. That was like nine. Yeah. That died in, in uh, between 69 and I'm just looking at this master list of all the people that died uh, at 27. It's, it's huge. It's way bigger than than the rumor or whatever. Because if you, if you take, like, the world. I'm just saying, there's some losers in here. I mean, no offense to these guys. You know, God rest their soul. But, like... There's some people I've never even heard of. Like, why do they get put into this category? Oh, how about Chris Austin? Uh, this is another one. Oh, this is something we should have talked about. Who's Chris okay, Austin? Okay, Chris, Chris Austin was a, he was a country singer and guitarist for Reba McIntyre. Oh! How long the, ago did the, we talk about Reba McIntyre? When Reba McIntyre pl- fired the missiles at her, at her plane. Dude, yeah. two separate planes. She's on one, her band's on the other, her band's plane crashes. She, she shot them down. Come the fuck on. I'm telling you. you. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. All right, so yeah, how about Chris Austin? 27. And he just turned 27. Dude. Yeah. Crazy, right? Uh, Kurt Cobain. I'm trying to look at all the, like, the, the big names. Oh, I hear the baby crying. Um, I actually have sound bite of, uh, of Reba on her plane. Reba. Yeah, you ready? Yeah, let's hear it. Here it is. As she figures out, um, she wants to take down her, uh, her bandmates. I think they're getting a little too, uh, full of themselves. I don't know about y'all, but, uh. I ain't going to put up with this no more. They think that they the, the the main show. This is me. I'm the show here. And it's not playing. Never mind. This makes me sad. Here's your one chance. Fancy you only get one shot. Fancy don't let me down. <laughs> Fancy don't let me down. <laughs> Fancy don't let me down. <laughs> I don't know why. That's the one Reba McIntyre song that I'm just like, yeah, fancy. It's a song about a girl, a mother turning her daughter into a horse so she can survive. 
Yeah. It's fucking and, terrible. Yeah. That's and a now, terrible song. And now Reba is the colonel. She's the colonel. Yeah. Reba, Reba's the colonel. And that's why she killed her bandmates, so that mm-hmm. she could get all them delicious herbs and spices. 11 mm-hmm. herbs and spices mm-hmm. all to herself. Kim Jong-hyung? I don't know who that is. Seriously? He died at 27? Yeah, 27 years and 254 days. Suicide Lead bus. vocalist of Shiny? <laughs> you don't know who that is. I have no fucking clue who You don't is. know who... You're a dick. <laughs> You don't know who that is? Oh, God, I can't it's believe it. one of the newest ones on the list. <laughs> you do not know who Kim, Kim Jong-un is. What about Fredo Santana, huh? He's in that South Korean K-pop band. You don't know? <laughs> Fredo Santana has died of liver failure. Isn't oh. that funny? Did he get Fredo kissed first? <laughs> you broke my heart, Fredo. <laughs> you broke my heart. No, he broke his liver. He died you of liver failure. Liver. You broke my liver first. Shouldn't be joking about this. That guy just died in January. Oh. Uh, uh. Condolences to fan. He's an American rapper. Yeah. Santana. Hey, Amy Winehouse, should we feel bad about joking about this? Oh, no, no. Uh, well, she, if says, she it's says it's fine. okay. It's yeah, fine. It's okay. We're good. <sighs> straight from straight from uh, the mouth. I like this guy, though. Fat Pat. Fat Pat. <laughs> yeah, American rapper and member of Screwed Up Click. Fat Pat. Oh, Fat Pat was murdered. Uh-oh. I got to do some research on Fat Pat. Oh, Fat Pat. damn. Patrick. Don't forget about Charles Cunningham. Is that Richie Cunningham's brother? Yeah, he di- disappeared just after a few episodes of Happy Day. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Andy. Oh, Chuck. Chuck was gone. Or like the little sister on uh, on uh, the Urkel show. What was the Urkel show called? Ju- uh, Judy. Yeah, what was what was the Urkel show called? Family Matters. Family Matters, thank you. Yeah. You know Whatever this? happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, even TV. You miss your old familiar friends. Waiting just around the bear. Different show, but. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. There's a hop. There's a hop. Hold on to. <laughs> What's. Wait. What? What is that one? That's, that's, uh, that's Full House. Is that Full House? Yeah. Son yeah. of a bitch, it is Full House. What was what was Family Matters? Um, hang on, I got it right here. It's 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 very like it's very emotionally stirring. Days go by and family. This is Family Matters. Yeah. It's a rare condition this day and age. Really good news on a newspaper page. Love the condition for the grand design. Love the condition, even harder to burn. But there must be some magic glue inside these little walls. Cause all I see is jealousy. Real love personality. It's too good. It's too good. I can't help. So good. Wonderful. So good. Did you know that that was a spinoff of um, Dude, Andy with the fucking Jeopardy knowledge tonight, man? Uh, originally, the theme song for Family Matters was "What a Wonderful World," um, <laughs> as sung by Thank Bruce you. Springsteen. Perfect Strangers is the spinoff. It was the original show. Perfect Strangers spun off. Into Family Matters. 
Do you remember? Do you remember Perfect Strangers? Yeah, with Balky. Balky and, and Larry, cousin Larry. Don't be a little ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. And then didn't Balky also go into that step by step show as like a hairdresser? I don't with, know. Uh, Probably. Who the, who with the, the chick knows? that was um, in Three's Company. Suzanne Summers. Wasn't she like the mom in and that the show? Master. Yeah. She was the mom in Step by Step. Yeah. Step by step, day by day. I think Andy, listen, we're gonna play the Perfect Strangers theme song. Calm down, <laughs> it's coming. Mike just can't load it fast enough. I don't like the, where this is gone. We're just playing. We're requests. just taking demands. Just... No, listen, it's a Twenty Seven Club, and we're talking about mysterious deaths. We're talking about the mysterious death of television shows in the nineties. I'm not even mad. Thank you for forcing this upon us, Andy. World looks perfect. <laughs> Nothing can be arranged. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. I can't, I can't Springsteen this way. <laughs> Never heard the odds of this time. Nothing's gonna stand in my way. I'm standing up tall. I don't know the rest. A light at the end. Standing tall. On the wings of my dreams. <laughs> Viv, Viv just popped in. I left for five minutes. What happened to Cobain? The <laughs> wind and hail coming down around the bend. All right, so it's this. My dreams. Nothing's gonna stop me now. So this might seem like a rabbit hole. This might seem like a rabbit hole. But this is really awesome because I'm going to show you something magic about the world of radio. <laughs> you guys, Belkin Bartaka must have died at the age of 27. You guys don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> next sorry. week, next e- next episode. Next episode. Next episode. What? We're going to be talking about conspiracies surrounding television shows. Ooh. So the TV show theme songs thing's not so irrelevant now. It's not such a rabbit hole now. See, boom. Yeah. Boom. Tied it back in. We're gonna talk about conspiracies, uh, revolving not just television shows, but but TV film, um, uh, not just conspiracies, but yeah, crazy things that have happened. Like you know, for example, that dude that shot himself on TV. It's a crazy story. Well, did you you know that song by uh, Filter? Hey man, nice, nice shot. shot. Yeah, that's a, about that. It's about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, so we'll definitely have to talk about that. We're gonna bring it yeah. back around full circle. Yeah, um, Andy. Ultimately, I'm glad that you took control because why are we here? Why do me and Ek do this? We do this for the people who are listening. We do this for our friends. We enjoy doing this, and we love interacting with you guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting. Thank you for screaming at the top of your lungs for us to play Perfect Strangers because I forgot how much I loved that theme song and I forgot how much I loved that show. I remember the dance of joy that they used to do. I remember. Um, where did Balky come from? I can't remember the name of the island now, um, but it was some Greek island. And he's not even Greek. He's just like some some dick. And Bronson Pinchot ended up marrying Kelly LeBrock, the chick from Weird Science. Oh, shit. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Can you believe Can you believe that that asshole got, got her? I, it, oh, he was Balky. Of course. Don't do it. He was Balky. Yeah. Um, there was Pat- also... Pat- Patroclus? Yes. Yes. Well, this is a Perfect Strangers video game? Is that, yes. That can't be real. Yes, and it's so weird. It's on YouTube. That's so It weird. is. Yeah, there is a Perfect Strangers video game. And it's so strange. It's about following your dreams, and there's, like, all of this, like, it's, like, running through the stars, and there's a rainbow, and, like, all sorts of, like, comets and shit. It's just crazy. It's absolute insanity, and it's fucking wonderful. Weird, man. Yeah, dude. Fucking weird. Um, I do want to tie this up real quick. What you guys should do is you should go out, um, and you should find 
soaked in bleach. It's the Kurt Cobain uh, documentary that I was telling you about. Watch it because it's really, really good. Not only that, go to your local library and check out What's the title of that book, E.K. the DJ? Uh, Come As You Are, The Story of Nirvana by Michael Azerad, A-Z-E-R-R-A-D. Yes, go check that out. It is a great book. It goes into the formation of and the career of Nirvana and then the subsequent breakdown after Kurt Cobain's untimely death. Um, I think the ones that were really the most mysterious, though, I think his... I think um, Morrison's wasn't really mysterious. He died in a bathtub from a drug overdose. Um, Jimi Hendrix, same thing. Jimi Hendrix choked on his own vomit, unfortunately. Like, he overdosed, and then he was laying on his back. If he laid on his stomach, he probably would have survived, which is tragic. Um, Janis Joplin was the same thing. I think all of these people in the 27 Club, they just, they lived hard, they lived fast, and they died young, you know? Risky lives. Yeah, you know? It's the the brightest flames burn out the, the fastest. And all of them were incredibly talented artists. And it's unfortunate that we weren't blessed with their presence for a longer but guys, I think we're going to go ahead and cue the music here because that was our first full episode of Somewhere Out There. So let me go ahead and cue the music here. Big thanks to Vivian Perea. Uh, you can check Vivian out on rockdeeprogradio.com. She's got her own show. It is called Peace of Mind. She will be in studio live next week to record her next episode. Uh, she's also part of the news feed. What's the news feed? You can also check it on rockdeeprogradio.com. Uh, big thanks to John Bellrose for listening. Big thanks to Andy Barsh for listening. Andy Barsh is an incredibly talented artist. Please. Art ch- of Andy Barsh. Yes. B-A-R-T-S-C-H. Check him out on Facebook. Check this guy out. Check out his uh, webcomic, yes. Important Sandwich. Send him money. It, find uh, he's, he's a single man. He's a, he's a sexy man, though. He loves the ladies, and the ladies love him. Yes. So if you know of any women who are looking for talented artists who are funny, I mean, he was hilarious in our in our chat room tonight. Send him Andy's way. Andy will treat him right. He'll make them an important sandwich. Indeed. And not let's in not, like, Let's not leave out John. John, lots and lots and lots of comments from John as John's well tonight. That's John Belrose, yeah. Yep. Thank you very much. Yep. Um, I also want to thank you, Mr. E.K., the DJ. For hosting me here. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're welcome. At the FSB. <laughs> I was like, well, what, what did I do? What the hell did I do? <laughs> you're thanking me What's for What's he going to say now? These shock jocks, man. They're so crazy. <laughs> right before we go, we're just going to give you an update about 405. You're going to want to take uh, the next exit because you're going to be stuck in traffic for a while. How's the weather looking out there, Mike? Uh, it sucks. It's dark. Can't say anything because it's nighttime. All right. Well, we'll catch you next week. Stay tuned. Uh, guys, check out the websites uh it is fxbgpr.com thank you it is ggr the great geek refuge the website for that is greatgeekrefuge.com we've got websites we've got podcasts we've got all of that fun stuff and it's not an episode of a podcast that i'm involved in in 2018 if we're not ending on god damn it don't act like you don't want to sing it We don't close the show out in left Africa. That's right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for your time. Crank that shit. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.